As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Down to Dunk Emergency Pod! The Thunder have traded for Kemba Walker... As reported by Adrian Wojnarowski this morning at 8.11 a.m. Central Standard Time. His tweet says that the Celtics are trading Kemba Walker, the number 16 overall pick in the 2021 draft, and a 2025 second-round draft pick to Oklahoma City for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second-round pick. Woo boy, Al. I've got Alex Spears here with me. Alex. Oh, boy. Thoughts. Thoughts, I, feelings. I woke up uh, woke up seven minutes after the tweet dropped. It's the first time I've ever woken up to a text about something that ooh, big. I saw Jay's ooh. text. It was such an exciting way to start my day. You know, just <laughs> right out of bed, boom, rush of adrenaline. And I mean, the first, the first takeaway was how rare it is for not just us, but the larger media to come up with a fake trade. And then mm-hmm. that exact fake trade happens. Because mm-hmm. this is basically the trade. I mean, we didn't know Moses Brown would be included, but the idea of Kemba and that 16th pick for Horford, that was what we had discussed a few weeks ago. We've talked it's, about it on this show, yeah. Yeah, so for that exact one to come through, you know, it's kind of cool. It made you feel smart. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it gives you more confidence to do more fake trades. Yeah, and... I mean, are you shocked at the value? Because even we talked about that. I mean, I don't, I don't think you thought they could get the 16th pick out of a deal like that. I don't, I don't know. Like, I will say, because a few weeks ago when we discussed this deal, I feel mm-hmm. like we discussed this exact deal, and we both came to the conclusion that we weren't really into it. I, sure. I mean, even, did we talk about the 16th pick? I think sure. we did because our whole yeah. point was that like, what's the point of trading for like another middling first pick at this point? Yeah, yeah, perhaps, perhaps that is the point of view. I just didn't even think they would do it, to be honest. Like, I didn't, I didn't think that this would actually happen. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that Boston would want to do it. Like, I understand there's a there's a fine fit there with Horford. I just didn't think Boston would really even want to do it. Yeah, I mean, I. I think that they were at a point where they had to do something um, because there had already been reports about Kemba and the Celtics essentially wanting a breakup. 
And so yeah. at that point, it's like, well, what else can you do? I mean, we've heard the yeah. idea of the Porzingis trade, but I mean, with what, everything that's going on in Dallas right now, the fact that they don't have a GM currently, unless it's Haralabob, I mean, it makes sense that a, de- a deal like that wouldn't be happening right now. And yeah. maybe Boston just felt like this is a deal we like. We know that Horford can come in and give us something. Like, I know sure. they like Robert Williams, but he's been hurt so often. It's like, can you really count on him? And then you get Moses Brown as, you know, your third center, maybe second center if Robert Williams is hurt all the time. I, I sort of get it. You know, I, I, I think they get the, it's, yes, it's more about a money deal. Yeah, the fit is there. Certainly. The fit is there, but also like the money deal because Horford, you know, let's say it doesn't work out. Let's say he's not good. There was actually somebody yeah. somebody who had tweeted out looking at his like adjusted plus minus over the last couple of years. And it does appear Uh-oh. that he may have fallen off a cliff, but whatever. That is such that is a that is don't don't do that. Like that's using <laughs> stats in a way that is stupid. But let's just like, say ignore that. Let's just say that it doesn't work out. Let's just say he's yeah. not good. He is 36 or whatever. They can still get off of him the following year for only 14 million dollars whereas Kemba was going to be like 38 guaranteed in 2 years yeah. no matter what sure. because it's a player sure. option. He's going to pick up that player option. We assume. Yeah. Although maybe maybe he becomes the next Chris Paul and he is so good. He takes the Thunder deep into the playoffs that he can actually turn down that player option and get a brand new deal. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. And for the Thunder, it doesn't like the money doesn't matter at, at all. all. <laughs> I mean, like none. It and still doesn't matter. They could do another deal like this and it wouldn't matter. Yes, because it didn't matter before Horford. Like they could have kept Horford and just absorbed a ton of money. Right onto their cap sheet. And now, yeah, this doesn't make any difference whatsoever to the Thunder's plans. Uh, yeah, I think I, from the Thunder's perspective, it's just more of the same for Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, it's just another distressed asset that the Thunder acquire by using what used to be a distressed asset, and they end up getting more for it. I mean, we've seen it with Russell Westbrook. We saw it with Chris Paul. We saw it with Cantor. We saw it with Mello. We saw it with Schroeder. Uh, I mean, like the the long list of times the Thunder have done this and then rehab their value and flip them is it's obviously a a pattern in a way that they acquire assets and in a way that they do business. I mean, and Kemba's like younger than a lot of the guys they've done this with. He's only 31. Now he's an older 31. His body is breaking down. He doesn't have like the body of a 31-year-old point guard because he has had major injury issues, but you know, acquiring Chris Paul at the age that they did with the injury issues that he had, uh, you know, it's he got better, but he had to make some personal changes too. And so it's like Kemba willing to make those personal changes and you know, did the Thunder get him to? And like, what does that look like? Does you can even ask yourself, does Kemba put on a Thunder uniform? I my guess would be yes, but would you be shocked if they find some way to flip him for maybe not tremendous value, but flip him before the summer's over? Like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't be shocked by that. Yeah, the the contract aspect of it, like, I'm not worried at all. I mean, I think you could make a case that there is kind of like a, a pyramid scheme aspect to this where you just, like, keep flipping these assets, and at the end of the day, are they just going to be left holding the bag 
like they just have some huge contract that they can't do anything with. They finally reach the end of whatever this asset play is. But at that point, yeah. it doesn't matter. You're so far in the money, it doesn't matter. Right, yeah. So that even, I'm not worried about pick. at all. Although I would like to mm-hmm. ask you, you know, you brought up all those names, Mello, Cantor, mm-hmm. Chris Paul. Where do you think Kemba ranks in terms of how difficult of an asset you think he would be to rehabilitate and flip? I, I just tend to think he's not, he wouldn't be that difficult because he'll be an expiring contract after next season. So if he does play a season with the Thunder, then he's expiring, right? Like that helps. They need him to play games. It's not that Kimba Walker's a bad player because he's not a bad player. It's that he didn't play enough games. Uh, I mean, you just even look at his raw stats. Like he had a, he almost scored 20 points per game this past season. So I don't know. Like I'm not. I'm. I don't know. I'm. I'm not actually that worried. Like I was even after, and we talked about it, like Horford's stats for this season. Like oh, he really didn't have like that much of an improvement from Philly. The perception probably changed a little bit for him, but not that much, right? And right. Uh, you didn't think they'd be able to trade him. You thought that they'd be going into next season with him. And, yeah, and and part of and that it was, wasn't. It wasn't illogical. Part of that, honestly, was not wanting to take on Kemba and not again not because of his contract but especially before the draft is why this is so crazy to me like if they had gone to the draft and gotten mm-hmm. Evan Mobley and they ended up like with pick 2 or 3 or whatever and that's who they yeah. target and that's who they take then I'm like okay well whatever there's going to be minutes but what happens if they get Jalen Suggs in this draft and they can't trade Kemba like what do you do it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. They're not going to make decisions based on Kimball Walker. That's just, just not going to happen. Which is what I would hope. I would hope that you just start Suggs and Shea and not there, worry about it. There's absolutely no chance. To me, at this point, the the, the at, at when they traded for Chris Paul, one of the major goals, I believe, for that season was to rehab Chris Paul's value and to flip him. Right, it was like near the top of the priority list that right. season. Horford, it goes further down the list, right? It's development, yeah. and obviously it was like they sat him, right? I th- I feel like Kemba's even maybe perhaps even more diminished than that, where it's like if we can because because they have like continued to flip and continue the asset management that they have, like it's been tremendous. I just don't think it's that important for them to do this. I, I, I feel like they could even do like a Kelly Ube type of a trade where you feel like, man, they did not get the amount of juice they should have out of that Kelly Ube trade. Uh, I, th- I think it could be similar to that where they're like, you know, like this doesn't, it doesn't really matter how, what we get for Kimba. We have already, we're already like way better off now with what we've done through the years to where like if we got, like a like a decent future second pit round pick for Kemba, like we would move on. The, uh, I don't I don't know that that's true, but to me, like if if they're sitting at three and they think Jalen Suggs is the best player, they're going to select him and they're going to play him. They're not going to be like, oh, well, we've got to we've got to start Kemba because we're trying to rehab his value. Like I just think that's so far down the list at this point. So right. I, just, I just wouldn't worry about it at all. It's funny though that you bring up like 
being happy. Like maybe they get to the point where like, yeah, we'll just take a second, which is literally what we've said about the last two versions of this. Like with when I know. we, when we got, got Chris Paul, sixteenth pick. Yeah, and when we got Al Horford, when we got Chris Paul, like the exact same thinking. And so maybe we just let it play out because like. I mean, we have to let it play out because we've seen it work enough times. Yeah. It's like, who cares? Like, obviously, Presty knows what he's doing. Like, yeah, he, he, I had no, I had very little doubt that they would get a deal done with Horford just because I don't think they would make it as apparent as they did uh, at exit interviews and not do a deal eventually, or at least have an idea that there could be a deal made. And certainly, uh, Brad Stevens taking the job in Boston is a huge, huge part of this. It's a huge part of why the deal got done. And it's probably a big deal as to why a deal didn't get done at the trade deadline uh, with Danny Ainge, right? But they've changed who's the president of basketball ops and the fact that they have a relationship. And, you know, it's also, obviously, Horford is probably one of Brad's guys, right? Like, all right. these all these coaches have their guys. And he probably loved Al Horford. I mean, Mark Degnault loved Al Horford. Yeah. So I, I'm not surprised to see it now. Now, if Danny would have kept the job, maybe this deal doesn't get done. But because Brad is there now, I think that's, um, I think it's a big reason as to why the, this deal has been done today. And in terms of going back to Kemba, there's also the possibility they could flip him before the season starts. I mean, that definitely Porzingis definitely. for Kemba deal that we talked about on Slam and Jam. I think two weeks ago, like mm-hmm. that was fe- that was the most feasible trade I had heard. Like it made yeah. sense to me then for both teams, and yep. knowing OKC's history with Porzingis, like it would not shock me if that happened before the season started. Yeah, I don't know. I, I do think, however, that like Dallas, it would be hard for Dallas to give up Porzingis without getting more in that deal, even though he has the extra year. I think that'd be yeah. really hard for them to do. So then it's like, does OKC really want to give up any type of asset for Przingis? And I don't know. Depends on what happens Tuesday, I think. Um, yeah, it depends on what happens Tuesday. Yeah, because if they if they do the, end up with Mobley, probably not. That's where that's where it makes a difference, right? Like if you get Suggs and you get you have six, you have let's say they get three, sixteen, eighteen, and they take. Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs, one of those guys. Like then, like okay, like we may be interested in bringing Porzingis into this and seeing if we can rehab his value. And also, I said this on the Dream Team. Like Kimba feels like a Mav. Like he just has a Mavs feel to him, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. I mean, I honestly the the healthy version of Kemba would be good on that team. Yes. I- I mean, he's like super Jalen Brunson. Like Jalen Brunson's a different. They have a different style of play, but like. These, Although, he, part of the reason why he feels like a Mav is because he feels like a Carlisle point guard. Ex- that's true. <laughs> that's true. And we also, and also, Donnie Nelson was a part of that. Right. Right. So, like, right. what what we know a Mav to be could be very different here in the next few weeks because of because of all those reasons. So. Right. But I think I think there are Kimball Walker destinations that make sense, and. I just am, would not be surprised to see him moved. I think ideally you move on from him before next season starts, just because I don't, I don't love that slot and the minutes that he would be taking up. That's not that's that would not be preferable 
to the Thunder in my opinion, but also like I would kind of expect him to play. I kind of expect him to play for the Thunder. Oh, for sure. I mean, he's not a so. huge usage guy. Um, like it's not like bringing yeah. Russell Westbrook and <laughs> playing him on this young team. Right. I mean, Kemba can play off ball as well. Um, and what about Kemba and on, for Westbrook. Honestly, if they got super lucky, landed the number one pick, took Shea. I mean, took Cade. Yeah. You could yeah. do a three guard lineup with those three guys. Yes, three guard lineups have been done here with Shea involved. So I, I just I'm not I'm not stressed about it. I mean, even if worst case scenario. Kimba's like I don't want to play in Oklahoma City, which I don't think that happens. Like Kimba's, Kimba doesn't seem to be that kind of guy. If that, let's say it does happen, like you've already squeezed so much out of this asset since, really, their decision to re-sign Cantor and to match the Portland offer for Cantor. I mean, that's kind of where all that began. Like, sure, like it just doesn't really matter anymore, and. Um, you know, this 16th pick is really interesting because it, it's just more ammo for them at draft night to, let's say they do get the 18th pick, they get the heat pick and they have 16. Like there's so many times that two like picks in the teens have been traded for like the 10th pick or the 11th pick or whatever. Like that happens like every couple years in the draft. So, and you know, the Thunder traded up to get uh, Pokushevsky in this last draft. I, I mean, I I don't think they're going to take. They have five picks in the first thirty six picks of this draft. Uh, I don't think they're going to walk away with five players. Uh, I would be surprised if that were the case. Uh, but they have more ammo now. That sixteenth pick is it could be their second best pick that they have and could help them. Now I don't like people are throwing out the idea like what if they get seven, sixteen, eighteen? Could that get them four? Like probably not. Uh, that's that's probably not what those other teams are looking for with regards to value. Uh, but could you take 16 and 18 and take on a bad contract and get 10? Yes, probably so. Yeah, and I think it would take a team who's a little light on future picks. Um, yeah. I'm kind of looking at some of the teams. I mean, for instance, like a team like Indiana, who it's not like they have a lot of outgoing picks, but it's a team that could see a lot of roster changes this year and may yeah. end, end up just by necessity being a younger team. You know, if you offered them 16, 18 for 13, just to jump up to there, and there's someone the Thunder has identified, I could see that making sense for a team like Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that could for sure happen. Uh, and maybe that's like Josh Giddy makes some sense there, or the Thunder like Moses Moody, or whoever it is that they like, they can jump up and, and go get them. Uh, I could I could certainly see that happening. And they've opened themselves up to do that. And also, like, they've, they've been in position and will continue to be in position to take on bad money from a team that would maybe prefer to trade out or to just get their cap sheet a little cleaner or whatever mandate their ownership has, you know, the Thunder are there to, to do that. So it just allows them to be crazy flexible on draft night. Uh, it allows them to, and, and maybe they trade out of 18, but they like a guy at 16. You know, it's just the, the possibilities, they have way more possibilities today. 
it doesn't necessarily change anything about timeline or anything like that. Uh, I wouldn't use Kemba as a signal to say that they are for sure taking a big man. I wouldn't I wouldn't also say that Moses trading away Moses Brown signals that they're trying to get Isaiah a big Roby, man. Isaiah like, Roby, starting center. Yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, who cares? Uh, this is it. Doesn't this doesn't mean that they're for sure trying to get Evan Mobley? Uh, it doesn't mean that they're not. But uh, this is not a signal of anything. This is a. You have to put this in like the bucket of acquiring a distressed asset trading away a, f- a former distress asset so they could get more picks. Like, that's what this is all about. Like, that's what this trade is about. And it's about being a small market. We talk about it all the time. You're probably exhausted with us talking about it. You're probably exhausted following a small market team. But the truth is, like, they have no way to stack the deck except for, like, this. And people are all over the place with regards to, like, how they view this. But there's some really, really bad takes out there about how well, you know, we just don't really know how this is going to work out. We'll have to see how how this works out. Well, he has too many picks. Don't you think that people are going to, you know, demand, you know, him, you know, they have more picks from Sam just because he has them? Like, come on, guys. Like, this is, that's ridiculous. Well, like, also, those conversations are absolutely ridiculous. And it's stupid. It's like try, they're trying too hard to be smart that now you're dumb. Yeah, it's, it's two things. One, it's assuming that a team, if they had, equal offers on the table, but they get an extra pick from OKC. They would take the lesser offer because OKC won't give two additional picks, which they would no right. team would ever do that. But also, yeah. being able to overpay in a trade and not have to worry about it is a feature, not a bug, of having all these right. picks. That is yes. one of the benefits of having all these picks is that you can overpay in a deal for a guy you really want and not have to worry about it. You can literally do yes. whatever you want. That is a good thing yes. that you're in a position where you could give away extra picks and not have to care about it to get your guy. You can literally target whoever you want and you are, you're always going to have the ammunition. Yes. I'm always telling my rich friends that it's actually bad that they have too much money. Yeah, it's just, you shouldn't. I mean... Because they're having to, I mean, my guy had to pay $50 for a pizza the other day because they knew he had the money. They knew he had, <laughs> he had the money. They just, they, just, they just, they held out. They held out until he handed over the 50 bucks so he could have his pepperoni pizza. People think that, how, they think that there's some like works. Goldilocks amount of picks where it's like not too little, not too much. You have to get in this sweet spot of picks and that's the best amount of first round picks to have. Like they, yeah. they assume that there is some negative there there's some point where once you pass it oh now it's negative now it's a negative value yeah but for for me it's all about your ability to go get the guys you want to get and yeah. you're going to do that with young players picks and contracts and well yeah. we, you know we didn't even mention it with Kemba Walker but he is now one of those contracts like yeah, he is he one is. of those contracts. If if a deal did come up for a, a legitimate star this year or next year, mm-hmm. if Kemba's still on this team, he is one of those mm-hmm. contracts, which Al Horford was yep. kind of fulfilling that role for the time being. Yeah. I mean, it's I, – I just – you can't just galaxy brain yourself to thinking that having too much, too many picks is bad because the Thunder, the Thunder don't have many ways to get better and they don't have many avenues to get there. And this is the way. Like, this is the only way. And there's really no historical precedent for this in the NBA. Right. Like, the close, the closest thing is the Sixers, but the Sixers didn't have this many. Like, 
to and to think that you know the outcome one like you cannot predict the outcome i can't sit here and say this is for sure going to work the thunder are going to have a championship caliber team in five years it's going to be wonderful sit back relax thunder fans because it's coming your way i can't say that i also can't say you also can't sit back and say well so it's probably going to be a failure because they had too many picks and it's just there's they have no value now. Like that's not true. And and like, so much of it many is teams want those picks. So much of it is people judging it by what Danny Ainge did when he had all those picks and yeah. seeing that he was never able to get like a real deal done. We all know about like the four picks they offered for Justice Winslow, but he was never able to consolidate those picks in any meaningful way which mm-hmm. I get that is a potential outcome, but how can you look at the last few years of Sam Presti wheeling and dealing and think that he's just going to sit on his hands and just keep all of these picks for all of time? Like, he literally right. cannot do it. He cannot yeah. keep all these picks. And he like, won't. He and won't he won't. It. He already consolidated in the last draft. He consolidated his picks in the last draft to get Poku. And he didn't. they didn't flinch. And that's that. one of those deals. You could argue that that was an overpay. You know, giving up those two first-round picks just to move up a you know minuscule amount in that draft, but that's the entire point. He was able to get the guy that he targeted, and at that point, who yeah. cares about the extra pick? Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody's freaking out about that. Um, any any uh, any thoughts out to Celtics fans that think that Moses Brown is the uh, the real gem of this trade? Um, I would. I would say that Moses Brown is going to be their third string center to start the season. And that is probably where he's going to end up in this league. So I think that in that sense, it's a good fit for Moses. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's obviously not a better opportunity for him than Oklahoma city. I mean, it's not, no, cause he's not better than time Lord. He's obviously not better than Horford. And the other thing is, other than Horford, I guess Horford is a little flexible. You could theoretically play him at the power forward, though I don't think you really want to at this point in his career. So all three of those guys are basically locked into the center position. So if Moses gets more than eight minutes per game next year, I will be impressed for him. Either somebody got injured or he really is making significant strides. He's never playing 20 minutes over a season. Like, I, I do not think that's going to happen. Yeah, He's not a good defender. He... He's got really long arms and can rebound. And he will block some shots, but he's not a good defender. And he's not that great of a rim defender. Um, so, I, I don't know what... I mean, we saw what he could do when there was no scattering report on him. And then we saw what he could do when there was a scattering report on him. And, yeah, he was feasting and had some really big nights when there was basically no scattering report from Moses Brown. But after two weeks of him playing... Did you see him do anything? I mean, go go just go take a look at even the box scores. If you want to talk about box scores, I want to talk about what he did numbers wise. Like go see what he did after playing a lot of minutes for a couple of weeks. Like he wasn't able to do all that much. He's just not I mean, he could improve, certainly. Could he get better? Of course. He could get better. He could become a nice player. Yes. Do I see that happening soon? Do I see that? Did I see that in Oklahoma City? I didn't really, you don't really see it. Like I didn't, uh, he just, he put up big numbers on a bad team. And he, I mean, he's kind of your classic case of like, um, you know, good stats, bad team. Like somebody has to put up the numbers. Somebody has to do it. And And for a a little bit, he did it. And in terms of throw-ins, like, 
obviously you're probably not throwing in Charlie Brown. Like Boston doesn't necessarily care about that. But in terms of like yeah. actual players you could throw in, I would much prefer them throwing in Moses over Ty Jerome, over Kenrich Williams. I mean, oh, I, for sure. I guess Isaiah Roby is where, for me, it's a coin toss. I know you would prefer keeping Isaiah Roby. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, of the guys who would potentially have some value as a throw-in, for me, Moses would be the first choice. Because mm-hmm. again, like, yeah. w- what was Shea's biggest accomplishment this year? He was first in drives. He was amazing at getting mm-hmm. the basket. Basketball Index had that tweet, I think yesterday, about the guys who had the highest field goal percentage at the rim on the toughest shots at the rim. Zion was one, Shea was three. So mm-hmm. not only was Shea good at driving, he was good at finishing at the rim, even though he like it, the, the court wasn't necessarily set up for him. And part of that was having Moses Brown out there because Moses Brown is not yeah. stretching the floor ever. So I'm fine with getting rid of Moses. We wish him the best of luck. Hope he does great mm-hmm. in Boston. And maybe there's a potential there because he's his competitors are a guy who's been injured a lot and a guy who's about to be 36 years old. So like maybe he does have some opportunity that's untapped. Yeah, perhaps he does. And if he does, that's great. I hope that it works out for him. But you know, I don't. I don't see as of, as of today. I don't see that being like a massive loss or setback for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I just I see it as a guy that they developed. I think that he and his agent and everybody were excited that he got a deal period right and i hope that he continues developing gets better because i think he's a good dude and i think that he works really hard and he's got the size and length and everything that um a player like that that you would want but um laterally he's not great footwork is not great um he's got a ways to go now, I, w- I would like to – can we bring up a, a trade that is brought up in the chat? And I've also uh, seen mm-hmm. it on, on Twitter, and I just want to shoot it down right now. The idea of trading Kemba to the Pelicans for Eric Bledsoe, Steven Adams, and a first. First of all, you would need more than a first, but – To take on both. Like, you need a first for both. It, minimum. Now, yeah. I, I would potentially be willing – I'm open to the idea of bringing Adams back – not as like a guy you're going to play a lot of minutes, but just as a guy like you know, and maybe you can get a big asset coming back. Like if you could get one of the unprotected Lakers or Bucks pick in the future, I would definitely consider that. But I would not take back both of those contracts, especially Eric Bledsoe, because Bledsoe feels like one, unlike Kemba, where you do feel like there's some potential for rehab, Bledsoe feels like one, like you're going to be buying him out. And the Thunder typically do not buy out players. That seems like a guy who's going to get bought out wherever he ends up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I mean if you're trying to keep Zion Williamson is is that the trade that's gonna, <laughs> that's going to turn everything around for you? I mean, I just I don't know. They're in a tough spot. Cuz it doesn't really certainly. it doesn't really save them a ton of money. Um yeah. In fact, I don't know if it saves them any money cuz Bledsoe's about 19 and Adams is about 17 going forward. And then Kemba's going to be right around 36 to 38 these next two years. So it doesn't save you a ton of money. You do open up a roster spot, I guess, but you're also having to probably give up significant assets in that deal. So I don't even know if that's the best deal for the Pelicans. I think the best deal for the Pelicans, I do think they could get off of Steven Adams for like a first. And then I think you stretch and wave Eric Bledsoe. I don't know if you're going to be able to get rid of him. 
Yeah, Bledsoe's 18.1 next season and 19.3 2023. So, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't know. I really wouldn't want he feel, he feels like if he lands on your team, he's going to be on your team. But he could also be like you talked about with Kemba, like he could be a contract that helps you get to whatever your next deal is or whatever for a, a bigger player if if they so choose to um to trade for somebody else. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this is a this is a it's a a nice deal for OKC to continue to flip the asset and continue to get value and to add more first round picks to their stockpile of first round picks it's uh it's it's the smartest thing they can do at this point to bend the odds in their favor like this is the only way they can do it and this is the only way that the only path they have to trying to get back to where they were uh, years ago and now it's all about what happens in the draft lottery and it's all about what happens um you know, at at the draft and who they get. Now, even if they get the number one pick, they're not guaranteed to be a great team. They may get the fifth pick and that be the best outcome for them. You know, we just don't know. That's where it's like there's tons of uncertainty. I mean, I don't think anybody on draft night thought Russell Westbrook would be the best player in that draft. Same with James Harden. Uh, Kevin Durant was much more clear on draft night. But we just don't know, but we do know that they're putting themselves in the best position possible, and now they're more flexible and they have more ammo, and that can only be good. Yeah, and for Thunder fans, like it just cushions the potential fall. Like, let's say we do end up worst case scenario is seven and eighteen. Well, now it's seven, sixteen, and eighteen. So it's like yes. it makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, if you and if they left the draft with picking at seven and picking at ten, you feel better about that than seven and eighteen. Yeah. Like there will be somebody between six and 12 will be an all star. That will happen. And if you pick, if you're picking two, if you're picking twice in that range, you give yourself a better chance to, to nail that pick because more than likely you're, you're going to miss. Um, but if you're picking twice, obviously the odds are twice as good to find that guy. Uh, okay. Anything else before we bounce? Hey, I'm, I'm really uh, sad. We we did we did a fry pod this morning and had some really good discussion on uh, on bulls snorting and we had great discussion on how Luke hates all trains, all sizes of trains. <laughs> uh, it's just a shame that we just that that pod is basically lost in time. Oh, what you're not even going to release it? Oh, it's it's there, but I'm just saying, like this this oh, pod okay. will uh, will kill that. So if you're listening to this pod, be sure to go listen to the Fry Pod where we uh, discuss lots of things. Oh, before we go, come to the Mule in Edmond. There are two locations of the Mule, and if you haven't ever been, one, it's very delicious. It's a gourmet grilled cheese restaurant. They have everything there is delicious. So come there, be hungry, buy food from them. There are two locations. The one that we are going to be at is the one in Edmond, 16 South Broadway. Go to that location on Tuesday night. Be there 6.30-ish so you can have some food and enjoy your time. And then 7.30 is the start of the Draft Lottery show. And we'll all be there as all the action unfolds. So be there. Come hang out with us. We will do a live podcast after 
the lottery is revealed. And so after we all kind of calm down from either being happy or sad, whatever it is. So come hang out with us. It's going to be a great time. Again, 16 South Broadway, Edmond, Oklahoma. That's the mule in Edmond. Uh, come hang out with us. And uh, Andrew, mm, mm. everyone, make sure you turn into tune into Saturday Slam and Jam tomorrow because we we haven't re- oh. we haven't recorded it yet, but we have a guest this week that I think will shock some of you. It is our it, is, <laughs> it shocked us. It's still shocking. Yes, we uh, we we're very excited. This is a, this is some big days, some big days for us, Al. Real big day. This should be really fun. Uh, thanks so much for listening to our show we do appreciate you listening if this is the first time that you listen to us uh, be sure to subscribe you can subscribe to us on YouTube as well if you're just listening to the podcast uh, please please do so uh, have a great weekend and we'll talk to you guys again on Monday